Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing today? I am doing very well today, John. Uh, I've got a smile on my face. It's a good day to smile. Oh. Lots of things to smile about. Um, other than uh, major chains getting your order wrong for your eve afternoon, late afternoon coffee, but um mm-hmm. i'm okay though my friend we're recording on a different day today so our schedules have been thrown out of whack but as we well, always say we're never not going to give a bam are we yeah and that's i actually saw this movie exactly a week ago uh from the day we we're recording so i decided to go watch it again uh just nice. before the recording to make sure it was fresh in my mind um and if you didn't catch Matt's puns and stolen joke of my own because i was going to say is it putting a smile on your face but oh, i'm sorry uh, no, no, it's, of course, appropriate. We are talking about Smile, uh, the new horror film from Parker Finn. Uh, we're going to pretty much jump into this because I, I've i been wanting to talk about this movie, um, mostly because the initial trailers I had seen did not make me want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, I thought they looked a little cheesy and uh, like a lo- very reliant on jump scares, um, but the buzz... Uh, got me excited for it because a lot of people were saying, no, it's really good. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool, cool. And um, I happened to be uh, at a theater last Saturday to see uh, The Mummy and The Bride of Frankenstein in a double feature mm-hmm. with Big Tuna. And um, that theater had it uh, had Smile playing in their version of IMAX. I forget what they call it, but it's essentially like their big screen format. Um, and I was like, okay, okay, let's just go ahead and do this a triple feature. So let's go watch Smile. Um, so Tune and I both went in, had not seen it. Neither of us had seen it at that time. Uh, really enjoyed the, the big screen format at the theater. I'd never been in that particular screening before. And, um, well, let's get into our thoughts. So it's directed by Parker Finn, uh, stars. Ooh, is it Sosie Bacon? Sosie Bacon. That's how I've been saying it. Some people have said maybe it's Susie, but I assume that there'd need to be an extra O or U in there. So I'm going Sosie. Okay, uh, Kyle Gallner, who Matt and I have uh, kind of raved about a bit on this podcast. Uh, he had a movie at, uh, was it Fantasia, uh, Dinner in America? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's on Hulu we, now. Oh, uh, check that out, because we both were big uh, big fans and listened to our episode where we talked about it. Um, I think that was 2020 when uh, uh, we covered that. Yes, it would have been, yeah. Um, uh, so Caitlin Stacy, uh, Jesse T. Usher, Rob Morgan, Cal Penn, and Robin Weigert, um, who Robin Weigert, um, I was most familiar with from a movie called Pushing Dead uh, with, um, I'm going to forget the actor's name all the time, but the dude from Psych, who I love so much, and I just can't think of his name right now, but uh, she was so good in that movie, so I was excited to get to see her in something else. Um, the synopsis for Smile, uh, after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. Uh, this movie's gotten some really good buzz. 78% Rotten Tomatoes, um, 79 audience. So like critics and audience are both pretty positive on it. Obviously not everybody's vibing with this, but that's a high score. 68 mm-hmm. Metascore, 7 IMDb User Score, and 3.2 last time I checked on Letterboxd. Um, currently only in theaters, uh, but it seems to be doing... I haven't actually looked at box office, but it seems to be doing well. Like, a lot of people I know have actually seen it, which isn't always the case. Um, a lot of times people I know don't go to the theater, so... Mm-hmm. I'll check I, out the box office in the meantime. But, um, so again, went in low expectations, wasn't really expecting to uh, to 
love it at first. And then again, as the buzz got in, I had higher expectations. Um, but I really enjoyed this film. I, I thought it's uh, almost masterful. Um, I love the nature of this and that the uh, the trailer isn't selling you what your experience is going to be, but it, it those things are in the film. And so I don't think it's like false advertising where the trailer promises something it doesn't deliver. I think it delivers the scares just fine, but I think it brings so much more to the table than just scares. And the trailer made me think that's all it was going to be. It was just like, you know, the truth or dare type of thing, especially because the, uh, the imagery of the person smiling was yep. reminiscent of truth or Blumhouse's truth or dare. That's a necessary distinction. Cause there was another truth or dare. Um, and so I really had no high hopes for this and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I had not, at least I don't recall seeing Sosie Bacon in anything else. Really. Uh, I thought her performance was tremendous um, because when we first uh, meet her, she is this, image of like this pristine doctor like her hair is in a bun and she's very serious and like you can tell how much she's dedicated to her job and while she is tired she just wears this she wears it very well she looks so together and and ready for anything that can come and we watch that unfold as she can no longer keep it together as the movie gets going and i just think her performance is so subtle in a lot of ways. And yet um, it's also, I mean, a lot to do with costuming and directing. Just there's little, little things that you start picking up on early that continue to escalate as the film goes. And I just, I just enjoyed every minute of this film. I loved it the first time. I, I loved it as much the second time. Um, I got to see it uh, with Sean the first time, but I saw it today with uh, David, who is my, um, the editor for Burke reviews. And he's uh, also a, um, a mental health counselor. So it's, this is an area okay. in which he is very uh, familiar. And I think he was uh, very taken with this film as well. Um, and I mean, just uh, all around uh, again, big fan of Kyle Gallner so far. He hasn't got to do as many things as I would like to see him do. He isn't scream five or scream from this year as well, but a small part uh, here. He gets a little more to do. And I think he does excellent with what he gets to do. Um, I got to say though, Jesse T Usher I liked Shaft. Uh, I didn't love Shaft, the you know his take on it. And I'm a big yeah. fan of the boys. Um, and he's A-train. he's really good in the boys. He's a train. Here, I don't. I I kind of think his character is intentionally bad. Like uh, bad, yes, but like some of the the way his lines, even the lines that are written for his character, feel almost too generic. But I I do think that's intentional. But that's the only thing that doesn't 100% work for me. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it detracts from the film. But there are parts where mm-hmm. with him that I'm just like, it, it feels like he's maybe trying too hard, which is, again, I think part of the, 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 the subtext of his character. But it's still just, I don't know, it just feels like something, a little too much paprika on the sandwich kind of thing. Like, it's just a little too much. Uh, but otherwise, I have like, no complaints about this movie. I really found it great. The, the one thing that from talking to some students who have seen it and stuff, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are like, Oh, this was, it was terrifying. I never specifically felt that scared, but mm-hmm. I think that's partly because I was so dissecting the movie. Like from the first viewing, I was just like, wow, I like what they're doing here. I like this. I like this. Um, I love a lot of the camera work. There's some really cool like camera rotations and uh, moving camera where it's kind of this free floating 
entity that goes through a window and then we're at a door. Uh, the sound design in this movie I thought was masterful too. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so it's just, and a lot of times I don't pick up on those little things. I'm just kind of watching it holistically. And for some reason with this movie, I was really just engrossed with all of that and not in a bad way. Like, I don't feel like the film took me out and I was looking at it. It just, it made me want to look at how it was assembling everything. Cause it was so well-made and uh, Parker Finn. Um, I've not seen, I don't think anything else they have done. I think this is his, certainly his feature debut. Right. And so uh, like, wow, you know, we've had, um, I mean, when I started book reviews, I probably wouldn't have said I was a fan of horror. I was very selective. I like these <laughs> things. And you know, I've, I've actively dove into horror over the last couple of years, especially very much. And, so. I'm very much of, I would say much bigger fan of horror. I still don't love everything that a lot of like classical horror people would say they love. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the, the last couple of years, man, we've had some really great films come out. And I mean, this month alone, Barbarian, Pearl, and now Smile. I'm just like, what is happening with horror that we're getting this type of stuff? It's been because, a good year. Man, it's been a good year. Because I can't forget, I also like Scream. You liked it a little more than me, but I still really like Scream at the beginning of the year. And I had every hesitation because it was a January release for a horror yeah. film with a big franchise behind it. Like, why would you drop it in January? Still makes no sense to me why they did that. <laughs> but it was a good movie. Um, but now, Matt, I am curious. Uh, I liked it. It sounds like you're on board too. So, what were you thinking about Smile? Yeah, no, I am. I was just, um, so I, I, it's, oh, Christ, here comes the pun, but I'm listening with a smile on my face because I know the journey John has taken <laughs> from appreciating the horror genre to kind of diving in and kind of seeing that this genre has so many facets and, and subgenres and nuance to it that, yeah, some of it doesn't work. But what I find with horror is there is a subgenre for everyone. If you like this mm, kind definitely. of slow burn psychological horror, I'd almost say like smile. There's plenty out there for you because I agree with you, my friend that th- this film isn't a scary film per se. It's got some imagery, which is, which will mm-hmm. burn itself into your brain oh, yeah. for a little while, which it did, especially towards the end. But even before that, um, and on the trailer talk, firstly, if you've seen the trailer, I'm sorry, some of what some of the best parts of this film are in those trailers which infuriates me beyond no end my friend um and i agree when you watch the trailer i remember i said to you because i saw this and i tweeted about it as well and i'm always one happily i'll happily eat my words i said i saw a uh, a double header of trailers smile and pray for the devil and i said both of them pretty much looked like they showed the whole film off and they both look terrible so I kind of went in thinking, all right, this is this film's not going to be great. But then I heard the the buzz, and I saw this film a few days before, earlier because I think it's one of the rare cases where in the UK we got it a few days earlier. So whilst we were watching it, the marketing team were doing fantastic work at the uh, Major League Baseball games uh, behind the, behind the um, the batter. So that, um, sort of from the pitcher's point of view, there were people just smiling, and it was being picked mm, yeah, up and on yeah. the weather channels as well. Fantastic job of marketing it. And some of the buzz I'd heard, because I remember so I've been sending you messages of people's reactions think, saying, you know, this this could be quite good. And it seemed like Paramount had a lot of faith in this. And for good reason, oh, because it is a very, very good film. It is Dude, Parker Finn's debut. Uh, yes, sir. I just realized I wore my Paramount shirt to the movie today. <laughs> you shield, John. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, well, it's, it's a shame nobody came up and asked you if you worked for the company. That would have uh, been hilarious. 
a Paramount t-shirt in a Paramount film, but I need to dig mine out again. But um, yeah, this is Parker Finn's debut. It is based on a short film that he did called Laura Can't Sleep. So it's another adaptation of a short film a la kind of Lights Out and things like that. Um, and yeah, it feels like Truth or Dare because of the, you know, the titular gimmick, the smile. Uh, it's There's also a lot of It Follows in here and The Ring as well. But yeah. it, it never kind of ever felt like, oh, this is just, aping on those films you know the, but those influences are, are there but what it might lack in any kind of um originality if you will i think the scares in this film or, or the jump scares the way they are built up and the way they are executed and utilized sparingly i will say are fantastic masterful like jb said because there are many many moments in this film where i thought oh god no here comes a jump scare you know you know batten down the hatches so people in the cinema don't see me jumping but it didn't come. It would cut to the next scene and then it wouldn't be till later on you'd get it. So it builds up this tension and this atmosphere. And that's what the film has going for. It's got this kind of mystery uh, feel to it and an atmosphere, which kind of throttles you the more you watch it. And when the jump scares come, they're so well done mm-hmm. that they really get you. There's, there are a f- two in this film, which I thought were sensational. And I genuinely mean the people in my screening went wild when some two of these hit, um, which is I, I look British British um, cinema goers and American ones have different opinions. Sometimes I like watching a film without any audience interaction, but I do admit when I hear the audience screaming at a jump scare, I do have a little grin on my face. I do like that, but um, yeah, um, I the, the film itself is 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 a journey into trauma or childhood trauma. And how it can affect our our grown up selves, and it kind of stems from Rose, who's played by Sosie Bacon, Kevin Bacon's kid, I think uh, you'd imagine. Oh, so. what? I do, uh, yeah, I mean the the surname kind of made me think it's got yeah. to be surely. Um, but here it is, um, and her sister Holly, who's played by Gillian Sinzer, who is a bit more outgoing. She's kind of got over the her her mother's suicide. It's not a spoiler. It's in the that's part of the film. There's yeah. something something that happened to her mother. One one of the daughters went one way, one went the other way, and how they dealt with it. And in the film, those they, those ideas ideas kind of clash in the middle, and we get this kind of familial um, drama throughout the film. And drama is how I describe most of this. Yeah, it's a horror drama, but there is an awful lot of drama. And what I liked as well about this was with Sosie Baker's character. I think two, I too think she was really good in this, but her kind of the way she dealt with what was going on around her, shall we say? Again, we don't spoil on this particular show, but the way she dealt with it, I never felt it was OTT. I never felt it was too quick or suddenly it went from, like you say, she is a mental health therapist. And then the next day, oh my God, she's, you know, spiraled out of control mentally. There was a gradual decline in her mm-hmm. kind of mental health and, and within herself. And, I think that should be commended because I think it would have been quite a tough performance for her to 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 put herself through. Uh, Carl Gorno is always a win. I thought he was good in, in what he had to do. Jesse Usher, I think somebody else in the role may have been slightly had slightly more of a presence. I don't think he's necessarily a bad actor uh, in the right role. I just don't think he was the right actor for this role, even though it was only a fairly small role. At times, it was quite pivotal. I didn't quite feel we had the the presence or the or the chops shall we say for 
for for what he needed to do. But um, what I will say is uh, also the actual gimmick itself, the smiles. I really, really love, and I use that word sparingly, but I mean I love how they used those in this yeah. film. They could they, have gone meant mad with them, but they didn't, did they? They showed a really commendable lack of, uh, sorry, commendable restraint with agreed. that. I actually think the film works better because when when you see it, you do think, oh no, damn. But um, the only things I'll say about the film was I've seen other people say this now. I've had a week or so to dwell on it, and I've seen other people say it, but I do agree. I do think some of the depiction of mental health leaves a little bit to be decided. I do kind of feel like it's. Now, men- the mental health patients, I think they're even called kind of like nut jobs or wackos. I do feel like that's kind of how they're treated in the film. And I think well, also the kind of trauma and grief, I do think, and I know it's a horror film where people will tell me off for this, but I do think they could have gone just a little bit deeper to show it was a little bit more hard hitting. But that aside, JB, I really, I, really like this film. I was so surprised and I'm so glad to hear you did. Yeah, to counter that one uh I, it's important to note that it's not just kevin bacon's daughter it's kevin bacon and kira sedgwick's daughter so like you know oh, wow. nepotism maybe at its at its because i think kevin bacon and kira sedgwick are still together even so like yeah i think they are yeah the uh big big hollywood couple of uh, child here which we're seeing a lot of like we got uh maya hawk getting a lot going on right yes um, yeah. but two but, great actors in their own right though yeah for sure what yes seen, and i think cool yeah. same um but uh the counter to that like, I think the audience is meant to empathize with the the person with the mental health disability and that the the way everyone else is reacting is how a lot of people in real life do react to people with mental health problems, right? Like they, they look down at them. They look as if they're, they're afraid of them. They look, uh, they don't know how to help them. They doubt them. They question them. And that, um, I feel like that's portrayed really well in this film because I think maybe we don't want to admit, but when someone has a mental health issue, people judge them and they often look harsh at them it sh- we shouldn't and i think if this movie is the wake-up call that people maybe shouldn't treat people with mental health problems so you know flippantly cool but i don't think that's inherently what the film is is going for um like because this isn't a serious drama it is an allegory for how we how we deal with trauma though and i think it does a really great job with that and even the the name of the movie to me when someone I think one of the the <laughs> default answers for a lot of people when they look at someone who's having a bad day or they're they look rough or they're ha- they say smile. I mean, how many yeah. times has someone just told you to smile when you're like not smiling? And it's like that does not make things better. And nope. that fakeness, and I I really feel like that's what this film excelled at. One of the things uh, from the get go, when I realized what it was, because the trailer didn't convince me this was going to be an allegory for trauma, but the first five minutes of the movie. Is like here it is. I'm like, oh, what an opening, hey, eh? what an opening. Yeah, and I was so pulled in immediately. I was like, okay, all right, what we got going on? And it it, it delivers. Now, I'm sure there's some some gaps and things aren't perfect. And I, in no way do I I'm, am I saying this movie is is uh you know isn't an expert, but like I don't know that Parker Finn. I don't feel like he does anything to like make us afraid of someone with mental health. Like sh- she's doing everything she can to be better. Um, and you know, she's dealing with trauma like again, and she's asking for help. She's not doing everything she can, but I mean, she, she tries to go through the traditional channels and Ooh, yeah. things aren't working. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's stuff that it's a horror movie. So there's going to be things that aren't going to apply to real life. 
but I, man, I just watching it, like it is, I think it's really well done. Like I, I, there's definitely a concern when like, if you, uh, put a person with mental health as like the murderer or the killer, Mm -hmm. there's a fear of that stigma being attached to it. And I don't think this movie does that. Um, in it, in and of itself, like I feel like the way our our characters um, are introduced to the 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 monstrous elements aren't like a, making. I don't think it should make us afraid of people who have a mental health disability, especially the way things play out. Like I don't want to get too much into the like those plot mechanics, but I don't know. I I, I hope that's not. I and if I'm wrong, I I do apologize because it's just not my read on the film. Like to me, it, it wasn't a, a negative thing or a derogatory thing in any way towards mental health, as much as it is a derogatory statement for people who don't know how to deal with people who have mental health issues, like the officers at the beginning of the film. Not um, Kyle Gallner's character Joel, but his I guess is assuming his partner because uh, he's like, wow, exactly, nut job. It's like that's how. I've heard people do that, you know, like all the time. And I'm definitely, I'm guilty of it throughout my life uh, where I like someone's irritating me. I'm like, you're being crazy or whatever. And it's like, that does not help people, but it is that, you know, when it's not you, you just want it to stop. You want it. And that's where I do think Jesse T. Usher's character is like accurately depicted in some ways, the way he reacts to um, doc, you know, his, his fiance's, breakdown he's not he's not very supportive uh, he tries to be but at, at like an arm's length almost and you're like oh it'll be okay and then it's like hey why are you still acting like this and even like one point like he like claps at her like to get her to stop freaking out he's just like he like claps and it cuts um but yeah i sorry i i've just rewatched it and I, it's a lot of this stuff is fresh in my head because i was again really like looking for things this time around that i was like yeah, how no. do they do this and whatever but i no, no, i i appreciate your words in it jb i'm all you know a keen listener to the bank will know that uh we'll always try to counterbalance an argument without um well actually the other person no so i totally um dig what you're saying and i um and I get it as well. Uh, it's hard to kind of put into real kind of terms what I mean. I think it's almost like the idea that in this case, I can't really say it, that spoilers. I can't spoiler um, conversation. And maybe I'll be able to kind of give us a bit, a bit more mm-hmm. meat on those old bones about the kind of mental health thing. I don't think it's done badly. I will say that right now. I don't in any way think it's done badly. I don't think them. Um, I don't think Parker Finn, um, the place of any stigmas. I don't think it accentuates any, but it was just a couple of things that I thought, I don't know about that, but the, the, the message behind that doesn't quite sit. But mm. other than that, JP, there's not much, yeah, there's not many really much else I didn't like. I thought the therapist, um, like I say, Robin Wager, I think she's very good, uh, and is involved in some very good scenes. I'm very interested yeah. to talk about the ending with you, JP, as well, and like the, how that played out and the visuals involved in that as well. And a certain scene involving, a character who will just be called Mustache. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the which again had my audience in, you know, f- in fits of just fear, which yeah. I love. But yeah, no, I enjoyed this, JB. I think it's very good. I love how the, yeah, yeah, how Rose's character, when she does try to present any evidence, there is hard evidence. And the, another character in the film sees it and it's like, okay, right. I get it now. I see what you're saying and how quickly that person was came on board when given hard evidence and it just felt natural you know is it a perfect film no it's not but it's a very very good horror film and it is a surprising horror film because like you john i honestly thought this was going to be a 
a bit rubbish, like one of those throwaway films yeah. like Truth or Dare. But I can tell you, though, JB, it was made for $17 million. And as of right now, it's made $52.6 million Heck yeah. Love worldwide. And that is a big deal. $22 million opening weekend. I think it it did. It won the opening weekend uh, or upon release. So it's doing well. This has been a stacked month for horror. It's October. Everyone pushes their films out in October, yeah. even though I think this one came out on the last day of September in the UK. But you know, a day here, a day there, but no, JB, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, the vast majority of my thoughts and comments on this are overly positive. A few nitpicks here and there, but I really looking forward to getting into the spoiler chat so we can dive into kind of more of the major plot points and reveals of this film. But I big, I'm a big fan of it, JB. And that's it, folks. Uh, that's our review of Smile. Matt and I both very, very up on this film. Um, I think it's a must-see, especially for horror fans. And, um, you know, studios, again, I, I know we have the ear of all of you. Uh, please, <laughs> you can make movies for under $20 million, and people will go see them because they're good. If the story's good, the characters are interesting, and you draw us in. And let's be real some of the best viral marketing we've seen in a long time uh definitely with that the the creepy smile and i've i have heard some people saying this it's super scary again matt and i didn't find it like not saying it's not i jumped a couple times and i do think it's haunting but um mm-hmm. i never particularly felt totally scared which again i think the more horror you watch maybe that feeling doesn't come quite as often anyways but i think uh, so but haunting is the word there is some imagery there's some imagery in this film and yes. not even kind of things you necessarily expect, which are kind of like, okay, that is that is creepy as hell, or that is brutal, or yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, cool, that's a little bit frightening, yeah. Yeah, um, and I don't want to throw this out too much, but there is definitely some Ari Aster hereditary uh, in this film as well. Like yes, there some, is. Some of the like specific shots I remember that I'm just like, that looks like it's out of hereditary. But um that's it for our review. Let's get into our next segment, which is Chopped Headlines. This is a movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what headline grabbed you this week? Uh, my one was from a few days ago. It's on Screen Rant, and it's written by Molly J. Weinstein. But wish she wish she could change that surname. And the headline <laughs> is MCU Wolverine casting rumors addressed by Zac Efron. Uh, of course, he's now, uh, Zach Efron has got the greatest beer run ever. I think it's called, is out now on Apple yeah. TV. I'm um, yep, yep. very much looking forward to watching that prob- probably tomorrow. But the, um, the tag is Zach Efron reacts to rumors that he's been cast as the MCU's Wolverine, despite the announcement that Hugh Jackman will be returning in Deadpool 3. So obviously, there's the headline. Zach Efron was asked, you know, what do you, would you be Wolverine? And it comes off the back of, a, an apparent rumor of a casting call that Marvel were looking for a Zac Efron type to play uh-huh. Wolverine. I mean, if you're looking for a Zac Efron type, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there that fits that bill already, maybe called Zac Efron. But, or, and he, this is, he was speaking to Jimmy Fallon on the Tonight Show and he came out and said, Look, have you been cast? And Zac Efron said, uh, verbatim, he said, Wow, they could just call me. I think Hugh's still doing that pretty well. I've got to give it to him. It's a fairly closed answer. I haven't seen the uh, the video of the clip, but uh, of the comment, sorry, but a pretty close statement there. Hey, look, they can call me. Hugh's doing a good job. Got to give it to him. Now kind of move on type vibe. Um, now, I like Zac Efron. I think Zac Efron, 
like every actor in the world, when they're in the the right role, I think Zac Efron is very good. And I think he's picking some very interesting projects, even if the products aren't great, like Firestarter. I think he's good in it. Uh, by all accounts, I've heard he's decent in The Greatest Beer Run. The um, uh, awfully scary, shocking and terrifying uh, film he was in as Ted Bundy recently. I can't believe it's mm-hmm. called. Uh, extremely shocking, wicked and vile, I think. He was very good in that that. as well. So the things I see him in, he's generally of a very decent standard. And I mean, would he look the part as Wolverine in certain shots? Yes. I mean, you look at how good, how jacked Hugh Jackman himself got to play the role. I think Zac Efron could pretty much walk into that in terms of if they're looking for a specific body type. No, and but then obviously it comes down to how can he handle the action? Can he be? Can he have that presence? Does he have that? Um, attitude and maybe the kind of toughness that is required to play Wolverine unless the MCU took that character in a different direction. Um, I think he looked the part. I genuinely do. Even like when he's, you know, when he's fully bearded up, I think he'd look the part. Um, and who's to say that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine won't, won't be in Deadpool three, clearly going to be in the yellow spandex. I think that's a given. Who's to say that the new MCU Wolverine isn't going to like lop his head off and it will be, you know, and that'll be it. It was just a big gag all along. But, um, so if, if I was to be asked right now, would I like to see Zach Efron as Wolverine or would I think that'd be a good casting would probably be the better question. Uh, I think it probably would be a good casting if you're looking like from, from a few angles and it wouldn't be the first time an actor would have been cast in a role, certainly in terms of comic book. I'm looking at Heath Ledger and the Joker and other, others where people would think, Ew. Ugh. No, that's not the right role. He's too much of a pretty boy, or I've, I've only seen High School Musical, for example. No good. I think he could do a good job, but whoever John gets that role has got massive shoes, claws, and spandex to fill because Big Hugh time. Jackman is Wolverine, and I, and it's no different to Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, whoever. You know, that, the, the character, Hugh Jackman isn't the character. Any, anyone can play Wolverine, but he's set the bar so high now. So. Uh, I, you know, I, I'd be happy to see Zac Efron as Wolverine. It wouldn't bother me one bit. I think he could do a good job. I'm going to throw that to you though, JB. You know, he, it was a fairly short answer by Zac Efron. It may not mean anything, but if it was announced tomorrow, would you be pleased with Zac Efron as Wolverine? And could you see him as Wolverine? Um, I, I'm, I like him in a lot of stuff. I do think, uh, Mostly, though, we've seen him have a little bit of uh, the Ryan Reynolds charm, like the uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of the humor, not quite to the level of Ryan Reynolds, but like he often has a lightheartedness about him that I mean, so does Jackman's capable of it, too, obviously. But I've seen Jackman not be funny and not be silly. And, and his Wolverine, for the most part, isn't silly. I mean, he has a couple of jokes here and there, but yeah, um, it's a different like delivery of them than what i've seen efron do it doesn't mean he can't do it um he's pretty stoic in firestarter and i i like firestarter more than most um but uh it like you said it, it is a big big shoes to fill now we've seen plenty of superheroes recast uh we've had how many batmans and how many spider-mans at this point spider-man's far less three but still um it's definitely something we can we can adjust to if if it's done well and done right um it it does it does feel like it would i don't know is he canadian because i feel like they should maybe i want to say he is ah okay well then you know uh maybe he's the one or 
I don't know. I, to be fair, I no one else American. really pops. He's to an American actor. No one else pops to mind to me. Like where I'm like, oh no, this would be a better Wolverine because Hugh Jackman is still Wolverine to me. Like it's hard to yeah. uh, to look past that, and especially while we've had so many Batman and we've had so many Spider Man. I, I don't think there is a character uh, or an actor who's played a character in as many superhero movies. Um, like, I mean, I guess mm. Captain America and Iron Man are getting close. Patrick um, Stewart can't be far off or um, been a few, I think. But I oh, know, no, he wouldn't have been. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, we've got what uh, he's in five of the six core X Men movies because he's not in first class. Actually, no, he is in first class for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he's not, he's not in a pop- Oh, he's. He does show up in Apocalypse. He's in his own Wolverine films. He's got three Wolverine films. um, And And then he's not... uh, He's not in... I don't think he's in Dark Phoenix or whatever the crap that was. Um, I didn't see him in that, but I I did shut off part of the way through. Yeah, that one's my least favorite. But so, I mean, that's several... And and those movies span almost twenty years, like on top of it. So it's not like just that he's in like six rapid movies, like like because that's the MCU's whole existence is what thirteen years now. Um, uh, yep. And the X Men is two thousand. So like we have, you know, almost double that time with him as Wolverine. So it is hard to think of, you know, anyone because you like Bale was Batman, but he was Batman for six years, and um, Keaton was Batman for two movies, but that was three years. You know, like so most of these characters when they are they're they're that character for just a few years uh where jackman we've two decades he's been wolverine so it is hard to imagine anyone else stepping in yeah no it's I mean, that, that and that's it whether it's zach efron or john burke or whoever whoever it is it's going to be strange to see and you know I, <laughs> i'm sure whoever it will get the the role will have plenty of time to get to fill those shoes and get mentally ready before the announcement's made but it's uh it's going to be hard shoes to to fill i agree my friend i mean i'd be up for zach efron but uh, again throw up if anyone else throws any other names there could be somebody else out there who is you know better suited maybe but uh, uh no i'd be up for it jb but what about you what have you gone for this week so the uh the trailer dropped for the new timothy chalamet film um bones and all uh it's it's been over a week now because when we first did this but um i didn't see it with the initial drop i actually saw it on the big screen when i went to see um bros uh my wife and i went and saw bros and this trailer came on and my wife's not a big fan of horror anyways and i noticed that uh the trailer for this cannibal movie um not a spoiler uh made her gag a little bit. Like I kind of saw her like, it was just like, I can see her getting like physically kind of sick just from the trailer. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh boy. Uh, I, I'm really excited for this film. It looks really interesting. Um, I've gotten, I'm not like a proponent for the cannibal genre of horror, but I do. I love raw like so much. And I love bone Tomahawk. Um, but I haven't seen like some of the, like I didn't bother with the green inferno, the Eli Roth film, but that's mostly cause I'm not a huge Eli Roth fan. Yeah. Um, but this one seems really interesting, so I'm uh, kind of excited to check it out. Have you uh, seen the trailer for this? I'll go one further, JB. I've seen the film. It's playing at London Film Festival, which your boy is covering as of the last day or th- oh. three days. And um, I can say right now that it is very decent. It's very good. Uh, having, um, I have to say his name now, Guadagnino, Luca, I had to find his name, Luca 
Guadagnino and Chalamet back together again um, in a cannibal film and their other actor, what's his name, Army Hammer? Not in it. Good. Um, uh, you yeah. know, oh, I think this film yeah. is is very, very decent. There's there's a few aspects to it. You mentioned the horror. Again, I'm not going to spoil it or go into any of the film for you, but you mentioned the horror aspects. They are in there, but they are not at the forefront of the film. There are a couple of other um, emotions or, or, or sub-genres, if you will, that are ahead of horror in terms of Bones and all. It's, you know, it's more the story about these two characters and the journey they go on and whatever develops during that journey. And then, of course, any horror around that as, as well. But I think Bones and All is going to be a film that when it comes out, I think it comes out certainly in the UK, uh, in Maine, it comes out at the end of November. I don't know about the um, USA, probably next week, you know, in the film schedules. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of emotion in this film. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot going on that I think a lot of people will relate to in terms of personal feeling and um, emotion. I think it's going to do well, JB. I think this film is going to be very, very well received. Uh, I've many, everyone I know who's seen it, who's covering LF uh, London film festival, the UK based critics anyway, have been very up on it. I've seen a few who said it was a bit, you know, a bit of a stumble and a bit messy at points, but you know, I, I didn't necessarily get that. I think it's a very good film, and I think uh, I think you're going to like it, JB, for sure. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm looking forward to. It. I was really shocked to see Mark Rylance in the trailer. I was like, wait mm-hmm. a second, um, the BFG himself. So, yes. uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, again, I think I think you'll like it, and uh, I, I I totally understand your wife's anxieties. The film does yeah. deal with horror, but it isn't at the forefront. But at the same time. If you're not a huge fan of the genre as a whole, it parts maybe too much. Well, then that is uh, what Timothy Chalamet will be consuming. Let's see what we've been consuming since the last time we recorded. We're going to get into media consumption, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we've been using the past time. We have a lot. We both have been very busy yeah. uh, with, with media lately. So, uh, Matt, why don't you start us off? What have you been consuming? Um, in terms of podcasts, I'll save one till the very end because there's a link to this. But I've been uh, listening to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast where they spoke about Children of the Corn for their Samhain thing. Um, I have that one queued up. I haven't listened to it yet. But see, JB, he he loves her. next. He'll be listening to Horse Horses in Films podcasts, and that's when we know we've <laughs> cracked him finally. But um. No, I, again, it's it all the kind of. I like the episodes. I like the host, but it obviously comes down to whether or not you've seen or like the films they're talking about. Um, I also listened to the Dead Meat podcast where they spoke about a film called Barbarian, which I've seen now thanks to Universal. Yes. Um, Jesus Christ, um, it's a fabulous film, uh, very good film. I have a, I oh, I have a few gripes with the very very ending of it, like a few moments at the very ending, but otherwise, JB, this thing threw me for a few curveballs oh yeah <laughs> there's a moment about two thirds of the, okay about an hour of the way in when it was a proper kind of title card moment where things are shift it's like okay what film am i watching really 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 well well acted very well presented yeah. I, I can't remember the guy's name who directed it i don't know if it's his feature for if his feature debut as well if it is damn we're getting a lot of good first time directors here but yeah barbarian it, it's it's a film which i was told i think john told me as well but don't watch or read anything i didn't see the trailer yeah. i didn't read reviews i will 
echo that please if you haven't seen it do not seek out any media or anything about it go in blind and you'll have a a ball with this again um wow actually no yeah don't i'm not going to say that don't check anything out just watch it um you saw it didn't you though john I I did, and I loved Barbarian. Um, I have to say, though, but with shock, he's directed one other feature film in 2009 called Miss March. I don't know if you ever saw that terribly bad romance. Uh, (laughs) Not a good movie. Uh, No, I did not. I don't know if he got into TV, maybe. That's because Letterboxd only shows four, so maybe he did TV for 10 years. Or he's part of a comedy troupe. Well, he crushed this horror movie. Barbarian is masterful, so... Yep, I, I agree. Check it out, guys, when you can. Um, also at London Film Festival, Matilda, the new Matilda film, oh. drops, and it's perfectly pleasant, JB. Uh, it's it's Matilda. It's what I can say. If you've seen Matilda or know the musical, you'll you'll know the film. So, I mean, it's, if you like it, if you like the other iterations, you'll probably like this. If you don't like the others, you probably won't like this, but it's very pleasant, and Danny DeVito's in it, and he's a lot of fun. The, oh. the musical numbers are very good. And it's just a, it's a very nice, charming film. That's what I can say about it. Um, I've mentioned Bones and All as well. I should check that out. Um, I watched a film on Shudder called Dead Stream, which I was recommended by my buddy Lily. And um, people online have just been saying how good this, how decent this film is. And I'm not entirely sure I, how, what I feel about it. It's a film about a live streamer who did something that got him cancelled um literally that's what they say in the film but we don't find out what it was till later uh, and in order to try and get his audience back he takes on a dare where he has to go and live stream from a haunted house and you probably guess what's going to happen but um i think i liked it but i'm certainly nowhere near as up on it as the rest of the world who tell me it's superb i think it's good um the, the lead guy is meant to be grating and sometimes that can act as a deterrent for me when the, pro- the person you're meant to be rooting for is a bit of a goon so, uh, yeah, Deadstream I thought was fine. Uh, Blonde, I actually saw last week, but I forgot to mention I saw um, the um, Andrew Dominic, Anna de Armas, Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean, f- uh, fantastical biopic, because none of it's true. Uh, and I thought it was abhorrent. <laughs> Generally thought it was abysmal. I thought it looked great. Yep. Uh, I think it stylistically was very good. I, the some people have kind of questioned did they need to change aspect ratio and change the um grading probably not but it, it looked good i've got to say that and it's and the, and the score was good and anna de armas god bless her she is good at moments but she cannot keep that accent down she's almost as bad as russell crowe trying to hold an accent at times but oh man for the most part but her acting though is very good like the crap that dominic andrew dominic puts her through for his own kind of weird egotistical fantasy because this whole thing is a flight of fantasy it's basic it, it's based on a novel but this is the director visualizing what he wants to imagine happened to marilyn Ron- monroe and it is it, it is yeah it's not a it's not a nice film and he'll, the director's come out and said well it's not my problem if the audience can't don't like it he sounds like an absolute douchebag and his film is a load of old douche as well so um so i know some people like it but I didn't. I thought it was very bad. Um, a film I thought was very good, though, was The Woman King. The Woman King hand, it mm, kicked my yeah. ass and handed it back to me. I thought that was so, so good. Um, Viola Davis is a badass. Everybody in that film was like John said, the, the, the kind of core group of um, female characters in this film are spectacular. I do think, though, 
that Viola Davis, because she is just such a badass and she was the kind of, she's the, the, the lead of the film, if you will, the first name on the poster. I do think her performance will overshadow everybody else's when it comes to any kind of award circle talk. Probably. Um, but it's not a bad thing because she's great, but there's so many. And it's like you say, Lashana Lynch is very good. Um, but yeah, The Woman King, I thought, I agree with you that it feels like a gladiator or a Braveheart film. But I also thought it had a really nice kind of intimacy to it. It felt at times very small as well, which I liked because it was just focused on the the this this tribe of woman warriors, these characters within it, and what they were fighting against, and also what the you know the wider um, uh, area, for one of a for the better term, are fighting for. You know, the, the kingdom, what they are fighting for. Yeah, I really, really thought the Woman King was was as you said earlier on was masterfully done things excellent um i watched a film called speak no evil as well because again it's on shutter uh it's horror season and i heard people saying that this film was it left them numb for a few days afterwards and john will probably be able to attest you hear people say that and you think come on you know did it is it the scariest film of all time or oh it's it scarred me for life I watched Speak No Evil and it left me numb for a day or so. It is the oh, cruelest man. film I've seen in a long time. It's a, it's also it's a really good film though. It's so well acted. It's a I think it's a Danish and sweet no no Danish and Dutch um f- co-produced film. It's so the acting is sensationally good. But my god, it is is a tough watch and the ending is just horrible horrific. Uh, I don't mean that in terms of its presentation. I think the the ending is just horrifying to watch, or the finales. It's, it's cruel as hell, but I got to say, it's a really good film as well. And um, the, I, this pleased me no end, John. And I and I know you've uh, seen this as well, and you're going to mention it. But uh, thanks to some kind of Hulu, Hulu hooplas, I've called it. Obviously, I'm British, and I have access to Hulu screeners, which they keep sending me. Fine keep them coming because one of them was Hellraiser, the new 2022 David Bruckner film. Yes. So I saw that drop in the inbox and I'm immediately jumped on that. Cause I thought <laughs> in case this gets rescinded, I'm watching it in a via a, an actual repository, which I can watch. I mean, I'm down. Thought it was really very good. Uh, not yeah. perfect, but I thought if you're going to reboot a horror film and it is a reboot, it's a real reimagining, whatever the cool term is. This is how you do it. There are elements of the first film which are apparent, but it's not beat for beat, shot for shot. It's, there's no real scenes in it which are from the original Hellraiser. Yeah. There's a line here or there, and there's some musical cues, but I really thought it was very good, JB. Um, Jamie Clayton as Pinhead, uh, sorry, the priest, is is badass as well. The Cenobites look good. I thought the leader, Odessa Azion, was very decent as well. Uh, not mm-hmm. so not so keen on the supporting cast around her, but I thought she was really good. Um, and again, it, it's it's a horror film, which yes, the, the, obviously it's a horrifying film. There are moments in it which are squirmish, but there's a deeper meaning to it. The film is about something else rather than horror. It's about you know the horrors of addiction and things like that, and um, yeah. and then you know the Cenobites are bored into it by hook or by crook. But uh, really enjoyed it, JB, and I thought Jamie Clayton crushed it as pinhead slash the priest so um looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that but i was very pleased yeah. with that and i i do think we're going to be getting more however for for the oh god i've got to say though for the uk fans and listeners of hellraiser sorry no idea when it's coming out Dis- i can tell you right now disney plus aren't handling distribution in the uk 
That's what they have told me directly. They're not handling it. Paramount Plus are handling it in Australia. I reached out to Paramount Plus. They've got no plans on this on handling it as of yet. They can't confirm. David Bruckner has said within the next week or so, we're going to know here in the UK, there are rumblings and whispers that we're not going to get it till April 2023. If that's the case, wow. I won't. Well, I, this is a PG f- podcast, but they need to get their fingers and heads out of everywhere they can and sort this out. This is a digital world. We're not in the dinosaur age anymore. This is the digital world. You get it out there for people who want to watch this film or people are going to go online. They're going to go onto BitTorrent websites and they're going to stream this damn thing and you're going to miss out because that is what people will do. Whether or not John or I agree with it or, or, or would even tell people to do that, that's not the point. The fact is, if people are going to have to wait six months, there's going to be an uptick in, in, in piracy and that's something that they're going yeah. to have to deal with. But um, that's what I've been told um, via email that Paramount and Disney Plus will not be handling this Hulu slash Disney production. But um, it's wild. let's watch. Within the next, by the time of the next episode, we should have more word from David Bruckner. But, um, and, the, and in terms of podcasts, yeah, I mentioned listening to a show that John told me to listen to called Films to be Buried with with Brett Goldstein. Now, I'll let JB take the floor with what this podcast is about, but I've been listening to a, a few episodes now. I really like the format and... I'm really enjoying the conversation. I have cherry picked the what the, the people I want to hear from because I'm not as interested in the British comedians. I want to hear the film stars, but really enjoying it, John. So I'm glad you um, told me to listen to this because you usually sometimes you tell me to listen to things and I forget. But this is one I've listened to a few and I've enjoyed it. But over to you, my friend. I've spoken enough about yeah. that podcast and everything else. So. Listener, if you're not familiar with the name Brett Goldstein, you might be familiar with him from Ted Lasso. Um, even though I, I keep forgetting the character name from Ted Lasso all of a sudden, Roy but Kent. I love he's like Roy Kent is like my favorite element of of Lasso. Although I, I love so much about that show, so saying one is a favorite is not really giving the show justice. But uh, Big Tuna <laughs> actually found out that he had a podcast because of Twitter. He tweeted something, and Sean was like, "Did you get a podcast?" And I'm like, "No." And then I looked and there's like 200 episodes. I'm like, it's not, he didn't just have a podcast. He's had a podcast prior to Ted Lasso, which is what I'm kind of excited to get to the episodes when he like gets the Ted Lasso job, because you know, it's going to pick up a lot of like who he's getting. Um, I've enjoyed, I, I listened to the very, the first five episodes, which are predominantly British comedians. I'm a, I'm a big James Acaster fan and he's the first guest. Um, so I really do recommend checking that episode out. Um, but the podcast premise is it's called buried uh, films to be buried with. And the premise is he has a guest on the show. Um, sometimes they chit chat for a minute and other times they get right into the podcast. It seems to depend on how comfortable he is with that person. Like if they're friends, they seem to jump in more often. Um, where if this is like his first time meeting them, he's, he kind of like eases into the, the premise uh, and everyone knows coming in what they're going to get, but he tells them that they've died. He asks them how, and it's meant to be kind of lighthearted, but it's also like, death is scary so let's talk about it so it maybe is less scary um and then now that you're dead uh we're gonna get to know who you were through the films that matter to you and he has a series of 10 questions some of them definitely lean towards that way and others are just like kind of generic film questions like uh, what movie made you cry the most what movie scared you the most um you he talks to the guests they go through those movies sometimes it's very short and direct uh, like they'll say their movie and then they're ready to move on. And then others will ramble off 20 other movies because they couldn't just pick one kind of thing. It just, it varies <laughs> very much from conversation to conversation. 
and then sometimes uh, he forgets to tell them that they're dead as well which is interesting yeah it's a fun kind of playthrough um and then uh he um at the end of the the show he asks you uh you get to bring one movie with you to heaven or whatever afterlife they they set up sometimes it's heaven sometimes it's something else it just depends um but whatever is after you get to take one movie with you what is it going to be and I, I it's a fun kind of farewell to the thing but it's mostly just this really great conversation about cinema and the love of cinema and hearing brett goldstein and how much of a cinephile he must be because he has seen so many movies and i've seen to be fair mo- there's been very few episodes where they've said a movie i haven't seen um so far of the, the ones i've listened to i have i, I listened to the first five then i've jumped around a little more like you are doing um i did listen to the uh will poulter episode though um which was a live episode i think at the bfi fest and uh really good episode i think if you haven't listened to the william poulter uh episode i, I recommend it i was already a will poulter fan I love him now after listening to the episode. I thought he was a great guest. Uh, not true of Dominic Monaghan. I find him obnoxious. Um, I like, listened to that one, and he kind of went off on some tangents, in he, about um, dude, and hey, stuff. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, whatever. Like, you sound... He sounds like his character, Charlie, from Lost, and I'm just like, okay, guy, I, I'm done. Like, um, Anyways, uh, I, I think it's a really great podcast, um, and we, you know... I, I've downloaded too many episodes. I, I haven't listened to these yet, but he has like Barry Jenkins is going to be on. Uh, Nia DaCosta is going to be on. Um, like, so he, you can see him getting increasingly bigger guests um, as, as he's becoming Roy Kent, you know, like you can tell that, and he's still doing the show. It's not over. Even though he's Roy Kent now, definitely doesn't need to do this podcast. He's still podcasting. That's very um, impressive. Yeah. And he clearly loves it. Like he, he seems to have a really good time having these conversations. I have not listened to any of these episodes yet, but there is a resurrection thing. So some guests have returned and it's, it says the resurrection with that episode. So like James Acaster has come back. I've not heard what those are. I'm very curious to see, like you've already had the conversation. Are you just going to have the same conversation, but maybe they've picked different movies or is there a twist to the format for those uh, returning guests? So mm-hmm. kind of curious to see how that works, but, but yeah, I one's very it. good. Oh, you've already listened, huh? I, I skipped to that one. I did. I have to say, I look forward to it. I, you know, I really enjoy it. Um, I kind of binged it uh, for a few days. Like I've got queued up right now. Too many. Um, I downloaded a bunch of them. Um, but like Bobcat Goldthwait's on it, which I, I'm a big fan of his. Edgar Wright. I, I haven't listened to this one yet, but he, Edgar Wright's the only one so far that appears to be a two part episode. Which, if, if you ever listen to Edgar Wright talk about movies, that is not surprising. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> he went way hard i'm sure he's gonna be one of those that like he has 15 movies for every question kind of thing you know um but yeah i'm, I'm excited uh Patton oswalt's on a, an episode i usually enjoy listening to him jillian jacobs um he got sharon stone for i mean like kevin smith is on an episode i'm obviously gonna listen to that like there's some wild ones um oh and have you listened to the mark Kermode? no i haven't no, i think he's been on twice i haven't listened to either yet I haven't. Yeah, he does the resurrection episode. Also, I haven't listened to either yet, but I am. I'm very intrigued to hear. Like, I mean, I I actually was not as familiar with Kermode because he's the the British Ebert. You know, like he's that level. Um, so I was. I've. I'm more like Leonard Moulton, Roger Ebert over here. Uh, I think you kind of made me aware of Kermode, so I'm excited to like hear him on this podcast. And I gotta imagine for Goldstein, it's got to be like. I mean, if I, if I got to interview Leonard Moulton, it's got to be that level of. Uh, like oh my god here's the guy that i kind of you know look up to as like i wish i knew as much as you but so i'm I'm very curious to hear that episode sorry 
folks for going a little long on a podcast conversation but i, I really do like this show apologize. i bumped into commode i've i sat in front of him i mentioned before the halloween kills <laughs> um, oh. uk multimedia screening and at the dune screening at warner brothers in london i managed to catch him for 15 seconds outside of the screening because neither of us could find our way out it was like being in the cube so i we found that i found the door and i, I, I i'm not gonna i mentioned what do you think about the upcoming exorcist reboot are you a fan and he said, he you know, he wasn't a keen on the idea, but he's willing to give it a chance. So that was my five seconds of chat with Commode, and it was wonderful. Cool. That's awesome. I, w- I hope one day I get to meet Leonard Malton. That would be uh, a- an amazing thing. Let's make it happen. Um, but uh, I think you, you have one last one last thing to say. Um, do I have anything left on there? Oh yeah, and or sorry. Um, I'll very and quickly. or <laughs> and and or yeah, if buts and or. Uh, I'm enjoying and or a lot. Still, episode five has just been on. Very much a connective tissue because, as I've mentioned, every three episodes is an arc. So, if episode five kind of felt like the middle part of a trilogy where it kind of ties up some of the for the previous episode, but it's clearly leading into the next one where everything's going to happen, but. Dude, dude, honestly, taking the blinkers off in terms of a f- story about character development and growth and taking your time and actual good dialogue and you know, none of his crap Star Wars dialogue, actually good dialogue. Andor's crushing it, dude. It's a shame because it's getting a lot less traction online from yeah. fans because it's not a, it's not Obi-Wan Kenobi or Boba Fett, but it's the best one of the bunch so far in terms of actual like prestige television. It's, it blows the doors off the other ones. Is it as entertaining as Mando and that? No, it's not. But narratively, it's better. And story-wise, and the way it looks and the way it's written, it murders the other ones, JB. So I'm looking forward to uh, whether you're going to binge it when it comes out. Well, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, you know, Some of them, they are, they're slow burns, and a lot of people are falling off the wagon because they're frankly not used to a Star Wars show taking, taking its time and being ponderous but i'm really looking forward to your thoughts one day man well i'm behind two episodes on she hulk partly because i didn't have power when the uh, last week's episode came out and then because of that i just haven't got back into it to watch the new one which i really want to see both i just i it's october which you'll see on my list i've been really really focused on making sure i hit all the horror films yes um, you have so that's where and also hitting the theater and my local theater is doing something wild which i'll talk about momentarily but um, I do plan on watching Andor at this point, though. I'm probably just going to wait till it's all out and then hit it all mm-hmm. like during Thanksgiving break or something. Um, good show. But I do want to watch it. I've heard good things. Um, that's what Matt's been consuming. I, as uh, we just talked about, I also found the Brett Goldstein podcast and I've listened to too many episodes. Um, <laughs> I listened to my blank check. I'm actually behind on the Bond movies right now, so I'm not listening to the commentary for Moonraker yet. And I'm again. I'm thinking I might have to wait till after October because I I don't see a gap in my schedule right now uh, for for to watch a you know three more or four more Bond movies. I got to get through. I will, but probably not till November. But I did listen to their Doctor Strange Love episode. Um, gr- such a great movie. Uh, I love that they're doing Kubrick. I'm excited. I still got to watch Barry Lyndon here soon, and that's going to be the stressor because I'm like that's a three hour movie that I already didn't want to watch, but. Um, I know, I know. It's the last one for Kubrick too. I've seen every other film of Kubrick's except for that one. But anywho, um, movie wise, uh, I was smart, and before our power went out, I downloaded a bunch of um, movies to my tablet, 
and uh, was planned ahead. So I caught um, my second film for the 31 Days of Horror. Uh, you mentioned Nightmare on Film Street. I am following their 31 Day theme. Um, I did. I'm kind of. I have to be realistic with my schedule. So I started a couple days early, um, which I think I mentioned last week. I already watched House um, right before we recorded our episode last week. I think, yes. and then. Um, during the hurricane, when we had no power, I had downloaded to my tablet Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which is my number, uh, their number two is uh, Guilty Pleasure. That is an easy to see Guilty Pleasure movie because it's not good, but I do love it. Uh, uh, then um, I'm a big Val Luton fan, uh, it's old school horror, um, and his film Cat People I was teaching uh, this week, in fact. But I wanted, I've never watched uh, Cat People from 1982, the remake from our boy whose name is not going to come to me. Help me out, Matt. Uh, where are we at, JB? Where are we at? Uh, uh, first reform director, um, ah, Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader did the remake of the Cat People, nineteen eighty two. <laughs> yes, he did, um, and it's not very good. Uh, <laughs> it has some of the themes from the original, way more boobs than the original. Uh, if that's what you're into, because it's eighties and that's what the horror genre had became. Um, yeah, it's there. Uh, Malcolm McDowell, though, uh, creepy as ever in that film. Um, <laughs> but the one that I, I can't believe it took me so long to finally watch, but I watched Hitchcock uh, from 2012, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. with uh, Anthony Hopkins playing Hitchcock. Uh, man, I really like that movie a lot. Scarlett Johansson playing Janet Lee was was inspiring. Like, there's a scene where they're they're showing how they do the car sequence in in Psycho. And I think she nails the facial expressions. Like, I'm like, this just looks like she's watching Janet Lee's and then mimicking it, which is impressive. That's not a criticism. Yes. It's, I really enjoyed that film. Uh, have you ever seen it? Yes, I have, my friend. And if the world hasn't seen it, it's on Disney Plus to go and watch. Oh, weird. Uh, so weird what's on Disney Plus. I know. Um, yeah. It might be very it, good. I, I did. I downloaded that one. I, I actually, I've owned it for a little while and I've been meaning to get to it, but I've been studying, I've studied Hitchcock it, way too much. Um, and I am obviously a big fan of his and specifically Psycho. So it was great to check that film out. Um, I just listened to the Secret History of Hollywood Hitchcock series not too long ago. And so the movie does some things very well. I, I would have loved them not to do the uh, him seeing the uh, the real life series, uh, Gacy, like as like his muse of sorts, mm-hmm. like the way like he like they depicted, I thought was kind of maybe a little too much. But uh, overall, I thought the movie was really good. Um, even though the hurricane had just hit and we had only had power for about 12 hours, I, I ventured 45 minutes away to meet Big Tuna and check out The Mummy, the uh, Universal movie, uh, Universal Monsters movie from back in the 30s, and The Bride of Frankenstein double feature. Uh, it was really cool seeing it on the big screen, except uh, it was a Fathom event, and it was um, apparently a satellite stream Fathom instead of a DCP. And at times, the picture was like pulsating. Um and the audio cut out a few times, and that could have been internet issues because of the recovering hurricane. Because there, we were still there were patches of people who didn't have power still. Um, so it, was, it could be a result of that. But either way, it wasn't the best screening experience I've ever had. Still cool seeing it on the big screen, though. Um, we stayed and watched Smiles, which is Smile, not Smiles. Um, but then the next day, went and saw Bros with my wife, and uh, okay. we loved it super funny super great uh i'm such a sucker for rom-coms anyways but i think they nailed it billy eichner um man i i wish more people would go see it i know there are some people who are opting not to because of the nature of it, it is a gay rom-com but man it's so funny it's it's so so funny i can't wait till you get to see it man i know it's a couple weeks out for you still i think it's about uh what are we now I don't know if it's the end of next week or the week after, but I know. Oh, no, I think it's the end of the month. But yeah, no, I've I've heard good things about it. I've heard um, 
uh, other things about it as well from people who've seen it and have kind of had a bit of a um kind of a conflict with the marketing or the kind of tone of the marketing of the film but Mm-hmm. with a film like that sadly there will always be people who will boycott it because of the nature of it but that's yeah. hopefully that's their loss because from what i've heard it's very decent we've enjoyed it very much um hellraiser uh 2022 i also caught i had a screener um, from hulu and i also really liked it um i had only seen the first one a year ago i watched it during the 31 days of halloween last year and i liked the first one um i mainly the main reason i picked to watch it last year though was because uh of a band called ice nine kills that i've talked about on this show before uh their their album dropped last year and one of the songs was called the box which was about the puzzle box and um i was listening to the song like i don't understand any of this because i've never seen the movie watch the movie (laughs) Only understood a little bit more because I do feel like that movie's a little cryptic uh, at times in the the original. Um, and then I watched it this time. I think it's a lot more uh, outright with the configurations and stuff, like understanding that this is a puzzle box and all that. Um, but I like this version. I also I do like the uh, it's on the nose, but the the way um, our addictions and behaviors hurt the ones we care the most. You know, I, I yeah, think yeah. that's a really really strong theme in this film and. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I thought it looked really good too. I think some like the costume design and production uh, is great. Yeah. And the body horror, I, when I went into this, I had always avoided Hellraiser because I'd heard how like grotesque it was and it is, but it also the first one, at least I don't know if like the, uh, the so many sequels, if they just go all in on the gore and it becomes more of that. Okay. See, I haven't seen any of those. I've only seen the the later ones do. Yeah. And I think this one is when there is gore, it's brutal, but it's not excessive. And I think that's, you know, if you're out there of avoiding it because you think it's just going to be a gore fest, it's, I, I don't feel like it's that. Do you know what? I'd agree with you on that. I think I'm going in, I expected it to be more, uh, to have more gore in it. Well, like you say, when it comes, it's there, but, uh, and it's not even because of the later sequels. And as I've always said, one of the later sequels is literally called deader. They've made up a word, deader, <laughs> and Jesus. Um, but it's not even it's not even anything to do with that. But I just assume that, given like the first film, it's not exactly um, short yeah. on gore. But they don't necessarily focus on that in this film, which I which I like. The horror comes from other places again. Yep. Um, then I watched uh, for the the thirty one days of horror, Nightmare on Film Street. If you check it out, they they have a list for each day. Uh, one was Dark Dwellers, so I went with Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Cause I, I'm trying to watch as many movies that I haven't seen in the 31 Days than those that I have already, because I could have gone like The Descent or um, you know anything from the darkness. So I went Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Not very good. Kind of regret watching that one. Um, <laughs> Australian horror, though, I found Wormwood, colon, Road of the Dead, which okay. had been on my radar a while ago. It's a zombie film with some a little bit of Mad Max vibes. That That kind of maybe oversells the Mad Max vibes. Um, there is a recent sequel though to Wormwood uh, that I think came out this year or last year. I've not watched that yet, but I was like first thirty minutes of this, I was kind of not vibing the tone, and I didn't. The story was a little, you know, jarring at times. I'm like, wait, when is what? What is, are these all connected? I couldn't quite tell. But by the end, I was really into it, and I actually ended up liking it quite a bit. So um, it, it's an interesting take on the zombie genre. Um, yeah. Some cool stuff, some cool visuals. Uh, definitely a low budget feel, but I think it works really well. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yep, um, it came out of nowhere, but I agree. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, nineteen fifty nine. Um, for my, uh, it was the I think Castle Dweller or something like that. Um, uh, Dark Castle, yeah, Dark Castle. Man, I I'd seen the 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 remake in the theater like when I was like 
I don't know, 15 or so with David actually. Um, and I ran all the way home after watching it because it was it was dark and I was walking home from the theater and I was terrified. Um, but I had never seen the original. Man, I had a blast watching this. I want to watch more fifties uh, and like forties, fifties horror um, because I seem to like it a lot. It, it's it doesn't scare me for the most part, uh, but I really enjoy it. There's something about it that I just vibe with, and um, Vincent Price being a big part of that for sure. Um, I really, really like House on Haunted Hill. That is on Prime, uh, listeners. I mentioned my theater is doing retro screens for like the first time ever. Uh, I got to, well, technically this one's not a retro screen, but it's the first ever screen. I think you told me a wide release of trick or treat. Um, yes. I went and saw that on the big screen. I, I liked it the first time I watched it. I liked it even more seeing it in the theater. Um, I think Sam is yeah. such a cool character design. Uh, if you don't know what trick or treat is folks, it is uh, the kid with the burlap sack and the, the pumpkin lollipop. That's jagged. Um, you've probably seen him. If you've been to a spirit of Halloween, he's all over it this year. Um, I, I'm big fan of this film and it was cool seeing it on the big screen. Um, and then, uh, I, for our next episode, I'll talk about, I'm, I'm planning on seeing the lost boys at my local theater tomorrow. Um, cause that, cool. that's playing for some reason. And, uh, last night and Monday night, they're showing Halloween 1978, which I have seen on the big screen before. Um, but I kind of want to go again if I can get to it. And then, um, and yeah, it's just really cool. Um, following that though, uh, the, the next day for the nightmare on film street, um, was, uh, game gone wrong. And I've seen yep. a lot of the movies that where the game gone wrong, but I found actually one of my students who's also doing this, found a movie called the furies, which we were both concerned. It was the furries, but it's the furies. Um, another Australian film. Uh, uh, it's, it's interesting. I won't say it's, it's not bad. I don't think it's great, but I, I think it's, it's very heavy body horror though. Like when, when stuff gets going, there's some brutal scenes in the film. Some of the character acting is pretty bad, uh, but it's an interesting premise. Um, it, it has a little bit to do like with escape room vibe though. Like it has a, some of the similar beats that the film escape room has um, mm-hmm. solid. Uh, Matt, I've realized Mike Flanagan might be one of my favorite horror directors. He's um, great. I just caught Ouija origin of evil last night. Yep. Dude, that movie freaked me out. Like uh, the most I've been yeah. scared recently from a horror film. <laughs> and the first film was crap. For the most I haven't, part, which he didn't do, but Ouija no. not great. But this is And I good. haven't seen it. I did I didn't think they had that much connected though. So after I finished this, I read like the Wikipedia plot of of Ouija. I'm like, "Oh, no, they're completely connected, but mm-hmm. it's a the one I saw is a prequel at least." So I I kind of watched them in probably the right order i have not watched ouija i'm, I'm probably not gonna but uh I, I, origin of evil real solid um and also i loved uh elliot from et is the priest in this which he's also in um midnight mass from flanagan <laughs> yep. and and he's in dr sleep apparently uh so flanagan definitely likes to reuse his cast when he can um and i didn't know this but uh flanagan's new show just dropped yesterday um midnight club oh, i believe midnight is what it's called club, yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm like, oh, crap, now I got a, another series I got to try to get to because I like Flanagan so much. Uh, it's cool that he's doing a lot of um, shows, but I also am like, but go back to movies because you make good movies. I have not seen Oculus, but that's up coming up in a couple of days. I'm watching that, that for, uh, I think I'm watching that for underrated because um, it's generally considered a film that was underrated, but is really well re- regarded now, which makes sense because Flanagan's become this like super respected horror director. Um, so I'm going to jump into Oculus uh, in a couple of days. Um, before I saw Smile today, I also threw on for my uh, horror comedy. Uh, no, oh, I'm sorry. No, wrong. Uh, it was for my favorite sequel. 
Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Dead by um, Dawn. I, I think this is the second time this year I've watched it because they covered Sam Raimi on Blank Check, and I think I watched it when I did that episode. I love the Evil Dead trilogy. I love Bruce Campbell and uh, throwing it on today. I was doing other stuff while I was watching it because I've seen it a few times. It's not like a movie I've seen a million times, but it's not one I've, I didn't need to start. You know, I don't need to give it my full attention. But at times it demands your attention. There's moments where you have to watch uh, when he's fighting his own hand and stuff. You you have to stop what you're doing and give it <laughs> your all. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. A lot of stuff. Um, I've been somehow managing to get at least a horror movie a day. Uh, and I'm planning on doing all 31 horror. And of course, we have movies that aren't horror that I have to go see. Like I'm planning tomorrow, The Lost Boys, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, and hopefully Amsterdam. So uh, One I have head a busy day. Yeah. <laughs> Such a wild tri- trio. Yeah. Not super stoked for Amsterdam, but we'll talk about that momentarily. Um, mm-hmm. Any thoughts, Matt, before we move into our last segment? Um, no, I'm also going to go and watch Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. I might take the little one to see it um, uh, and get, again, kill two birds with one stone there. Uh, Trick or Treat, so very pleased to see that finally, after 15 years getting its big screen run. Not in the UK, though, because we're <laughs> living in the, in the in the dead zone over here, apparently, but uh no joe i'm i'm just very pleased again i know you never i know i always joke i know you never hated the genre but i'm so glad to see that <laughs> pretty much everything on that list is yeah. a horror film and it's and with it fills my horror heart with joy tons of excitement too that's the thing i had a blast last year doing the 31 days and i found some really cool movies last year including censor which i just keep wanting that people great. to watch censor such a great film that i don't think enough people have seen um Partly because I love learning about like weird film history stuff and the fact that like I didn't know a lot about the European like the the video nasties and stuff yeah, until PBFC, that movie. Yeah, yeah, and so like I love learning stuff like that. So, um, check out Censor if you're trying to find Definitely. your horror movie list. And with that, in fact, I think that's a good segue into our final thing because we have to make sure every week that we are maintaining our bloody awesome level. So I need to know, <laughs> Matt, what exercises are you doing? To make sure you're staying bloody awesome. I don't know, but it'd be very odd if we both had the same one this week. That won't happen. I know it won't. I, um, I stole yours, I will admit. But it was like, friend, oh, I want to talk about that too. If anyone was going to, then I would let you do it. Basically, I have been looking ahead now to Halloween. The uh, scary season's upon us. John has taken the lead. He's, he's taken the bat on on horror films watched. But I've um, uh, been watching some horror films, as I've seen, but I'm kind of saving some of the big ones or ones I haven't seen for Halloween nights. I, what I uh, like on Halloween night is to watch a new film. That, uh, uh, sorry, a film I haven't seen before, a horror film, but I also like a specific type of film. Uh, some people want to watch a slasher. Some want to watch a splatter. Halloween, I find, more is for the is for the psychological horror for the ones that gets under your skin it's the uh it's not necessarily watching something like um uh, nightmare on elm street for me it is something you know the exorcist or something where it gets under your skin and it makes you terrified and it makes you scared of what's lurking in the shadows in your hallway but uh, so i've been curating my halloween watch list which i'm looking forward to dropping on uh, a social or on a letterbox at some point soon but i the point of me doing this is because jb may even be able to help me out here i want somebody to give me some horror films or anyone throw some horror films and you know preferably the kind of spooky 
atmospheric horror for Halloween. And hopefully there'll be one or two on there that I haven't seen, which I like the sound of. And that will then be my Halloween watch list. But I've got a few JP already lined up, hopefully to watch. But I'm putting the word out there now to you and everyone to get one kind of atmospheric horror, a really creepy one. And I'll, and I'll watch it on Halloween. So I've been cur- curating my list. I mean, you've been doing the same, John. Have you had any luck or, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your well, angle behind it? So mine is, is twofold. So we have written the same thing, but I knew that I wouldn't know exactly what yours meant because we only have a few words. Like yours literally says curating Halloween watch list, but I don't know. Mine is like Halloween through the month, right? Like I'm thinking my 31 yeah. days. Um, which I had a list made and then I've altered it slightly because I wanted to make sure I was getting as many new movies in as possible. Um, my Halloween night movie is going to be uh, based because of the, I'm following the Nightmare on Film Street list. It uh, has to be a ho- movie on Halloween. So I'm watching Rob Zombie's 31 because yeah. why not? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm not even movie. a fan of the zombie films, uh, Rob Zombie's films as it stands. So I, I know I'm not going to vibe with it, but uh, you know what? Fine. It'll be one. I check off my list. <laughs> Um, but it's not just mine. I like to, uh, you know, my some of my students are are participating, um, and like they don't have to watch every movie. And it's it's all it's. I, I also stretch out the uh, the term so it can be a Halloween themed movie. So like if it features vampires or ghosts, even if it's not scary, I count it because it's not everybody likes scary movies. I just want to encourage them to mm-hmm. like push themselves, find something to to watch, something new, something uh, fun. Um, I have some big ones that I'm really looking forward to, though, for for this 31 days because they have some fun categories. Uh, I've never watched any of the Hammer films, um, so I'm Not. watching the the first Dracula, uh, House of Dracula, I think is what it's called. It's it's depending on um, the iteration. It's Dracula is the default title that Letterbox shows, but it has other names. I think it's House of or something of, mm-hmm. but the Christopher Lee Dracula. Um, I'm pretty stoked to check that one out. Um, I do want to watch more. It's some of them you can't get like easily, like some of the, uh, the variations of the Dracula. There's several different ones that he's yeah. in. Um, I'm looking forward to Oculus, as I mentioned already. Uh, what else we got here? Um, I, I'm going to watch Dario and Argento's deep red, um, for the first time dog soldiers for the first time. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Diabolique is on my list. Um, mm-hmm. The original Goodnight Mommy, which I didn't know we got a remake uh, just like uh, two weeks ago. Oh, it's not to get good reviews. Yeah, I'm sticking with the original. Um, as as above, so below. I'm watching for yep. the first time. Very cool. um, I think I'm going to watch Mama. And mm-hmm. uh, the one I'm probably least excited for is Halloween Ends right now. I'm just like, mm. I'm so excited for it because... It, you know, they could pull it out of the bag and give us a really c- cool slasher film, but I generally that, that trailer is not making yeah. me think anything. I, and the last, I then, want it to be great, man. But like some of the, the lines where she's just like, maybe if I die, he can die. I'm like, why do you? Why? Where would you yeah, come up with that conclusion? Just, uh, cack. But um, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on some of those films, John, especially something like yeah. Dog Soldiers. And I can't remember what the one you yep. said before that. Oh, Argento. He's got a new film out, which um, I'm very yeah, interested heard- to watch. Yeah, it's coming out on Shudder, I think, in a few weeks' time. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Speak No Evil. One of my friends uh, suggested that film to me, and it's on my list. But again, I, I don't have it in that category anywhere, so I don't know if I can fit it in. Uh, there's a couple of other movies coming out. Like, I could have counted Hellraiser, uh, but I didn't. Like, I kept yeah, yeah. that one off just to keep other movies uh, that I already had picked that I hadn't seen. Um, and I have a couple more rewatches. Uh, I'm going to watch Hereditary for... Um, 
I think scene that troubled me the most or something like that. I forgot what the, uh, the, the list was. I'm going to mm-hmm. watch the shining for the goats. Cause that's uh, the greatest of all time. I'm like, well, the shining. there he goes. Um, so, you know, I got some things like that, that I have on my list that I'm looking forward to, but that folks is how we're saying bloody awesome. And that is our episode. Um, I, I kind of alluded to this, but, um, next week we're going to be covering David O. Russell's Amsterdam, uh, which is not getting good reviews from everyone that I know, including Big Tuna, who is a huge <laughs> David O. Russell film fan. Uh, I don't think anybody's a David O. Russell fan anymore. Um, but uh, he didn't seem, I think he gave it one and a half stars, which made me very nervous because he tends to like O. Russell stuff more than me. So I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, well, here's hoping, like you, John. I'm hoping yeah. it's great, but we'll see. All right. Well, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Uh, on Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And Twitter? Uh, head on to BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And on Facebook, you can search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And where can they find you, Matt? Uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across social media and letterbox too. And if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast, we ask that you take just a moment and give us that five star rating and maybe a review. Um, it helps other listeners find the show and that's all we're asking for. We just want people to listen to our thoughts on movies because we really, really like movies. Uh, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay Bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody, 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 blood, blood, bloody. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.